Welcome along to the podcast today. We have a fantastic guest, and I'd like to say that we have a lioness in the house with us today. Joining us on the podcast is Francesca Binger. Frank, as we know her, is the recipient of the Officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit Award. She's the former Chief Executive of the New Zealand Venture Investment Fund, and has held board roles on many of New Zealand's most prominent tech and economic development boards. Frank provides insight into what shaped her willingness to push the boundaries and get really comfortable being uncomfortable. She explains one of her breakthrough moments was realising she needed to display courage to speak up. Frank now helps others with their personal courage. This is her focus and her passion and her experience beating a brain tumour bring real life raw examples to help others discover their own courage. Super excited to have Frank on the podcast today. Let the learning begin. Frank, welcome yeah, along to our podcast. Got food oh, have I? Yeah. Oh, I looked in the mirror as well. I clearly didn't look very well. Am I sorted? Yeah. Frank, welcome along to the podcast. Fantastic to have you joining us on the show today. Let's start off with some rapid fire. Okay, okay. Thanks, quick questions. Ryan. Let's yeah. let's hear a little bit about about you. Yeah. Uh, food first off. Breakfast or dinner person? Oh, both. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> if you could only choose one. Oh. Oh no, I can't Still choose one. Still, Still both. both. Okay. Yeah, no yeah. compromise. You're, you're a woman no, of my no, own heart. No compromise on eating good food regularly. Love it, love it. Healthy. On holiday, are we likely to find you bungee jumping or on the pool lounger? Oh, uh, so these days more likely on the pool lounger or in the pool more particularly. Nice, nice. And you're quite a fan of the pool and we might talk about your swimming uh, yeah. a bit further on because yeah. you've achieved some amazing things there. Uh, Style-wise, are we likely to find you in trainers or heels? Oh, uh, something stylish but practical. Learning, are we more likely to find you reading a real book or a Kindle? Uh, both. Yeah, everything. This is the uh, deal breaker for the interview, but I think I'm safe. Cats or dogs? Oh, dogs, 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 dogs. Good answer, yeah, yeah. good answer. Because if someone answers cats, interview's over. Yeah. So yeah, we're, yeah, we're lucky. Yeah. And uh, we're probably lucky that Lulu's not joining us on the podcast today. Oh, yes. No, she'd be right up here yeah, next to us be, looking yeah, front and, and front looking. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd take all yeah, the attention, attention like away from she me. Would. She <laughs> would. Early riser or night owl? Oh, these black and white questions, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you like grey? I do. Mm, we'll talk about that. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm probably more of an early riser, but I'm not either, actually. I'm a middle. Mm. I like between 7 and 10. Right. It's very boring, yeah. but that's how I like it. Nice. Yeah. Can't wrong. Yeah. Uh, giving me a bit of a hard time for these uh, black and white questions, <laughs> and I think political answers, because most of them have just been both, haven't they? Think most of the no, answers so not far. both. I think That's most of them. way too simplistic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> much if, more sophisticated than if that. If you were uh, going to some entertainment, watching movie, would we find you watching a thriller or a comedy? I love thrillers. Yeah, no, I love Got I love it. adventure yeah. actually mm-hmm. of yep. of all sorts. Gold. <laughs> now. Frank, you've been a very successful New Zealand business leader. Uh, in your personal life, you've achieved a lot of milestones. You have been uh, awarded an ONZM, which we'll, we'll talk about more. So mm. some of your achievements have been recognised in the, in the public sector. Uh, many of our listeners may not have heard of you um, individually because I think a lot of your achievements have been behind closed doors. They've been at the board table. They've been at the, at the leadership table. Yep. Uh, 
but your journey has been been full. It's been full of adventure. It's been full of success, uh, but also full of full of challenge. So I wonder if we might almost start at where you are now. What's occupying your mind? What's what's your focus on? Yeah. And then we might delve back into some of your achievements uh, previously and help our listeners understand what's led you to to where you are now. So maybe if I start in 2016, mm-hmm. because I stepped down in 2016 after 15 years as Chief Executive of New Zealand Venture Investment Fund and was very much looking forward to the next stage of my career. Already had a number of director roles, Auckland Tourism Events, Economic Development, uh, had been on the Fisher and Paykel Healthcare Board for a while, was uh, a chair of Fab Group, which was all the Casey Clinics in New Zealand. So and wanted to build up that portfolio. And I got awarded the, made the officer of New Zealand Order of Merit in 2016 for services to business and the community. Had worked, had been on the board of Fred Hollows Foundation for a long time as well. At the end of 2016, I was diagnosed with a brain tumour and uh, which was thankfully benign and successfully removed. But I ended up having a major brain hemorrhage which left me partially paralysed down my left side and having to spend effectively right up until this moment focusing on myself and my recovery. So I've had three years really to reflect and think about what I wanted to do next because my career plans went totally sideways. Now I had already started doing some work Uh, with women in leadership and really enjoyed that and it had been something I'd done public speaking uh, and I had worked one-on-one with women not women in really senior roles because they're already there they don't need me but I I had this sense of women in middle sort of management who wanted to find their way up the ladder but who were also wanting to get the balance right in their personal lives and their relationships as well. So when you have, as I've had, two and a half years, and I'm a big reader, to then say, well, what am I, what do I do with everything I've learned as a woman in senior leadership roles? So what I've started doing and been doing over the last couple of years is uh, working up some content and business ideas for an online presence which is really supporting women who whether it's in their careers professional lives personal lives relationships helping them how to have personal courage every day and how that's could be anything how they engage with their husbands or partners or friends uh, but but what courage looks like. I, I'm really keen to explore this topic of yep. personal courage because I know it's uh, close to you, but yep. also something I observe with uh, people everywhere, regardless of gender, yep. um, and interested to get your insights around that. Many people have uh, faced the uh, daunting task of dealing with news like you have a tumour or you have cancer or mm. you have uh, this... Um, Uh, challenge coming at you. Mm. Uh, How did you initially deal with that? It kind of, I guess one of the things that happens is um, it's probably the body's own self-protection because uh, for me I just went into a zone of just doing what you had to do. It's 
there's no there's no kind of oh my god I mean did I think oh my god I might die or I got very pragmatic which is probably at the essence of my personality anyway so I really started just going okay I don't know what the outcome's going to be I don't know what life is going to be like after that so how would you, how would you assess your attitude at the you know in those early early days weeks matter of oh you mean after the surgery no no no, no. Uh, before diagnosis. yes yep. okay so I got diagnosed it was I was having surgery within 10 days the tumor was quite significant size are uh, very practical I'm writing my will I'm putting things in order I'm tidying up the house I'm all of that kind of stuff I'm asking the neurosurgeon what the odds are and whether anyone's died on the table and all things like that and doing a bit of shopping for you know things um, uh, I didn't have any pajamas so I thought I'd better get some pajamas <laughs> so you know I'm going shopping for pajamas and things like that mm. And did you, did you feel like you had the approach of, uh, I'm realistic, but I'll, I'll beat this? Well, I didn't really think about whether I would beat it or not. I didn't think like that at all, because I'd, it was a completely unknown quantity. Actually, one of the really important things that I did, I went and had my hair cut into a really nice style. So, because when they do the surgery, they and my neurosurgeon did a beautiful job. So even after the surgery and once I got all the bandages off, my hair looked quite nice. Brilliant. <laughs> so Style. that's the sort of thing. Yeah, Style. it's kind of, you know, even in the worst of moments, try and hold yourself in that, in that way. Uh, but no, very, it was a very practical, I didn't, I didn't think about, will I beat this or not? I really had no idea. I was optimistic, for sure. My general, uh, disposition was let's get through this let's do this and uh, and in fact the outcome that that occurred is other than dying is a is just about as bad as it gets um, and I never even contemplated the situation that I'm in I, I didn't think the worst resilience is a word that gets gets bandied around a lot mm -hmm. I guess I use the, the term bandied because I think in some situations it's uh, probably used in a bit of a lightweight fashion. Mm. Uh, I think you can absolutely claim right at the forefront mm. having to deliver resilience on a uh, almost minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. The journey you've been through, I'm interested to share some of that with the, with the mm. audience of how did, you, how did you turn up with that resilience every day because no one goes, I love doing rehab. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the first two weeks uh, after the surgery and then the hemorrhage, I was in critical care and there's really nothing I could do other than uh, follow instructions, which was, you know, I couldn't do anything. So I'm just surviving. I really am just surviving. And yes, there were moments when I thought, all I've got to do is take the next breath. That, that was it really. Beyond that, yes, I moved very quickly into working out what I could do within my capability. So I got probably slightly obsessive about it. As it happened, my original training was as an occupational therapist working with people in rehab. So I had, so my brain was completely intact. My thought processes were intact my body was not functioning. So I was using my 
what I did have to get myself through. So yes, I went right into rehab from the point where I'm instructing the nurses or the doctors, whoever's there, to keep um, stretching my foot so I don't lose flexibility. And that's still I'm still in critical care at this point. Right. It is absolutely the case, I think, that my... Is it resilience, determination, uh, those sorts of words? Uh, yes, I've got, I've got that. And I, I do have a, a kind of a sense, if I've decided to do something, that I'm going to keep doing it until it's done and I will follow through. So whether that's resilience or not, I don't know. Once you know what's important for you, it's so much easier to then get past, coming back to the courage thing, to then get past the immediate obstacles because they're only obstacles to something you already know that's important. Right, because you've had plenty of practice at this resilience, courage piece uh, prior to this. Mm. Do you feel like those, uh, you know, your swimming, tell us about some of the uh, swimming events that you've, you've tackled. Resilience and determination sound so nice, don't they? But there's always the kind of, well, when I think about it, uh, sometimes I was just hard-headed, really. Uh, swimming, so I'm not a fast swimmer, and this is very important, right? I'm never going to be an Olympiad or anything like that. But I decided that uh, I needed to do something physical. Something for myself, actually, was what it was about. And swimming was something that I'd always been quite good at and enjoyed. And I saw the sign one day which said, Ocean Swim Series. Harbour Crossing, and I thought, oh, I'll do that, I can do that. And um, so I thought, oh, well, I'll just go and hop in the pool and start doing a bit of training, and then I can swim 3.2 kilometres, having only ever maybe swum, oh, I don't know, a few hundred metres uh, over 20 or 30 years. I managed to do the um, Rangitoto to St Helier's 4.6 kilometre swim. So I was slow. I came in and, you know, probably the last 20 or something like that. Somebody gave me some advice when I started that swim. Don't look back. Don't turn around and look and look at Rangitoto. Just keep swimming forward. And of course, when somebody tells you not to do something, <laughs> well, you know, it's a really good idea not to look back sometimes. But, um, of course I did, and it's, you know, it's daunting doing something like that. Uh, I only did it once, and there's a bit in the middle, or about two-thirds across, where uh, they warn you the tides are a bit swirly, and the mind starts playing games with you as to, you're not going to make it. You're not making any progress, all sorts of stuff like that. And that happened to me too. So then it becomes just keep swimming, mind, you know, literally mind over matter, right? And so um, it was a great experience for me to achieve it. Never want to do it again. Tick that box, move on. Tick that box, move on. Great job. Uh, but wonderful thing to, to do, yeah. Do you feel like this uh, goal setting resilience, the bloody mindedness, I think you referred to yeah. it as, has that been uh, something you've had right from a youngster or do you feel like it's something you've uh, consciously developed and evolved? I did have it probably as a kid. I was not conscious of it. I was not especially encouraged to do very much by either of my parents. Right. Probably quite the opposite, actually. What do you think their aspiration or expectation was for you? Nothing much. Mm. 
there, I think their aspiration was that I would um, be a good girl. Well, who knows what their aspiration, but I do know that my aspirations were way higher than their aspirations from quite a young age. I wanted to do all sorts of things. So I developed some, I worked out very early that if I wanted to do something, I had to do it for myself. Now that didn't always go that well. Um, <laughs> yeah, sounds like there's a story there. Oh, What's there's, a, you there's tried just a little so story. Well. There's just a little story because um, uh, you know I was at home by myself with my mum. Right, uh, Dad was at work, so I was at home by myself with my mum until I was went to school. And I actually got quite bored. I, you know, I was smart smart then. A guy came round knocking on the door and suggesting, you know, did anyone want to go to church? We were not churchgoers, but I thought I might quite like to go to church. So I announced this to my parents and they gave me the instructions to how to get to the church. Now this was in Christchurch, Colombo Street. I had to go down to Colombo Street and walk to the church on a Sunday, which I did and how old, Four. Are you, how old are you at the station? Mm, I'm under five. I'm, yeah, so I'm walking to church. I'm going to church regularly on a Sunday by myself. But after a while, I started getting a bit scared at Sunday school because there was quite a lot of, um, what do they call it? Hellfire and brimstone. Right. Well, it turns out I'd gone to the wrong church. It was a Baptist church, and, I, and um, I was supposed to go to the Anglican church, which was one further block along. Right. At that stage, I was kind of like, I said to my parents, I don't want to go to this church anymore because that, and they were, they were a bit concerned. They, you know, they did care for me. <laughs> Wasn't neglect. <laughs> they were concerned about their sub five-year-old going off to church by herself. Okay. There was um, definitely, perhaps, both some DNA and some early training around that. In my career subsequently, I did start to understand that I had either some training or some natural tendencies that I could, that were important for success, if you like. And, and so um, later I became more conscious that, that those attributes did make a difference in terms of you know, success and doing well and things like right. that. So who else has influenced you? Tina Turner. <laughs> Simply the best. Yes. <laughs> Better than all the rest. Yes. Um, I, I, love, um, I love seeing women who are very strong women. And what does, highly strength, successful, what does strength look like to you? That they can kind of maintain a sense of their own personalities as well as do well in whatever it is that they've decided yes, yeah. to do. So, I mean, I admire all sorts of, and it's not just women, by the way, but, you know, if I'm thinking about it, I just thought Condoleezza Rice was amazing. I mean, co politics or no co politics, there are certain people that I look at and think, wow, you've achieved amazing things and um, against the odds. So it's often the against the odds that, that I find interesting. And of all the achievements you've uh, completed, what's what stands out for you as highlights? I'm particularly proud of, uh, we established the New Zealand Venture Investment Fund, which was a $300 million fund. It was an economic development initiative of the New Zealand government. Quite a remarkable thing for the government to do, first of all, but then to execute that in a way that uh, has made a difference to New Zealand 
in terms of the environment for startups, entrepreneurs, technology investors. And if I look back 15, 16, 17 years ago, and the mindset then for young people coming out of school and thinking, well, I've either got to do a trade or go to university or whatever, and look at it now, how many people, uh, men and women, who say, well, I'm interested in starting a business or I want to join a business that's growing and things like that. And so for me, playing and you know, being part of that landscape. Absolutely. In New Zealand. Um, and enabling so many uh, Kiwi entrepreneurs that have great ingenuity, yeah. giving them a platform to take their ideas to the global stage. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, is, is and working with great people as well. Um, got to work with uh, lots of wonderful entrepreneurs and investors and and um, had some great uh, role models in the um, people that supported me as chief executive at NZVF. Um, my first chairman, John Grant, who was an Aussie, and um, uh, you know he'd been hugely successful himself in an investment sense, but also uh, in um, on a number of boards in Australia, and you know that he was willing to mentor somebody like me who knew nothing about venture capital, not not much about investment. I knew a little bit because I've got an e economics degree, and I'd. That was the sort of area that I'd been focused on. Uh, but to have those sorts of mentors, and then Sir John Anderson as well, who was uh, my one of my other chairmen, and they were great mentors. So, uh, you know, to have people like that to support me through that was was great. Mm. But says something about your character that you were willing to go into a, a role where you didn't have uh, broad expertise. You had economics expertise, but not venture venture capital expertise. It says something about the the character of you trying to you know being willing to take on a role like that, and is that is that something you would encourage others to to do? Yes. Oh, totally. Um, it's a little bit unusual in a way because you know my career was a bit zigzaggy, and then I got to a point where I got much clearer for myself what I wanted to do. So when that opportunity came along, I saw it as an opportunity that was a good fit for me at all sorts of levels. And so I went for it wholeheartedly. I didn't necessarily think I'd get it, um, but no, I was all in, to use your yes. <laughs> term on that one. And, and, and you know, it makes a difference how much you want something. It really does, right? So for me, that was something I really wanted. And if it wasn't that, I would have found something else like that too. And you mentioned you, you, you got clarity on what it is you wanted. Mm. Was that was that clarity born out of a situation, a compelling event, or was it uh, you just reach a, a stage in your career and maybe life where you're gone, I, I, it's time for a reset now, I want to go, go there? Uh, a little bit of all of that actually, because um, I'd got to the stage of my career where the next stop was to be a chief executive of a government department. I'd worked in Treasury, Reserve Bank, Ministry of Science and Innovation, and I didn't want to be in the bureaucracy. And in fact, my own uh, family background, my father, you know, it was small business. And I was interested in small business as well. And economic development, economic growth in New Zealand. So there was a sort of a coinciding of, no, I don't want that. I do want to work 
more in a private sector role, but I want to be able to use my sort of finance economics. And then that came along and I had the opportunity to work with some senior business people in New Zealand, including Sir Stephen Tyndall. It, it was sort of a, a coinciding of all those things. And yeah, I guess I was ready for that career change that uh, happened, what, what age does it happen? It happens sort of in your 40s sometime, mm. well, We talk about the rule of 43. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where often you know, people around that mid-40s role have been in successful jobs, probably in the corporate sector, yeah. and then making that decision, do I stay in the zone that I'm in? Can I reach uh, the top of this organisation I'm in, or am I looking for, for something else? Spot on. So um, I might have been two or three years older than 43 because it takes me a while sometimes to make the decision. But yeah, it would have been around that age that, that I went, right, it's time to do what I want to do in, a, in the next stage of my career. Okay. So with the uh, experience you've got now, mm. uh, what advice would you give to a student who might be ending their in, end of their school career and they're going, where should I head now? I think one of the things that happens is that people, I know that people can change careers now and do all sorts of things that people didn't think so much of doing uh, a few years ago. Uh, but probably the most important thing is it doesn't really matter too much what you do to begin with and it doesn't really matter too much what you do when you're 25. The most important thing is to sort of work your way towards it and some people are very clear very and, I w and, and they, they can go for it, <clears throat> excuse me, they can go for it. I was not one of those people. I didn't, nobody told me what to do. I didn't have a set career path. I sort of wobbled around for ages and the reality is it didn't matter that much. And, and so I just say the same. Which I think is great advice because yeah. it's, it's daunting if you're in that stage of your life to go, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Mm. So actually the advice of uh, it doesn't matter yeah. You know, it'll, it'll work itself out, yeah. I think, yeah. is, is really uh, valid advice. But, you know, the point is, my advice is utterly irrelevant in that situation, and it doesn't matter. And people, if they have supportive, good people around them and they believe in themselves, they'll find, they will find their way. Indeed. So that's probably okay. the most important. What advice would you give that uh, person about personal courage? Everyone has courage in some part of their lives and knows how to be courageous. It's about how you take that bit of courage that you've learned and take it into other parts of your life. And you don't have to do the biggest, like most people think courage is something monumental, right? Courage can be something really small that's uncomfortable for you to do. So, so courage is about what are your things that are uncomfortable and kind of go there a little, just a little bit. Mm. So for young people or, you know, if there's something they're a bit scared to do or, or they are not sure of, then sort of go there a little bit in some way. Um, what was something in your uh, career context where you had to practice courage to get better? Oh, um, I definitely had to practice, practice, believe it or not, speaking. Not only public speaking or something like this, but you know, early on in my career as an economist, I had to go into a room with uh, ministers of finance and prime ministers 
and speak up because I'm there to give advice. Uh, now, these are very influential, powerful people. And I was relatively junior, actually. And um, my husband, Mike Ashby, <laughs> gave me a great tip. He said, where there's insight, there's responsibility. And so, which blew me away because I'd be sitting there thinking all these thoughts about how things could be done better or I'd have an idea, but I didn't feel confident to speak up. And what do you think was holding you back in that situation? Oh, well, two things actually. Somehow I didn't think what I had to say was valid. And second, my training, at least in my generation of women, was to wait my turn. And my husband explained to me that you don't wait for your turn. And, and I thought I had to get it out perfectly as well. And so this thing about getting it exactly right was probably the biggest thing that held me back. And I was completely gobsmacked that people might just say things and see how they came out. <laughs> Start talking and see what happens. <laughs> and so, but it was probably underlying all of that was, okay, so I do hear some things and see some things and I do have some ideas. What's the point of doing, having those if I don't say something? How did that go when you, when you first started, when you had this realisation and then went, right, I am oh, going to... Oh, my knees, my legs, everything jelly, you know. Uh, no, seriously, it's hard work, sure. you know. It's, I, I do a lot of preparation for any... I've always done a lot of preparation for any really important meeting. So, um, of course, you can't just walk in and think she'll be right, so to speak. Uh, but you can, but, and and you know, if you know your stuff really well, and you prepare, and you get clear in your head what's important, that helps a lot. I think that saying where there's insight, there's responsibility is such a such a great one. Yeah. And then having the the courage to follow follow through, uh, it won't go perfectly every every time. Uh, courage is uh, getting knocked down ninety nine times and getting up a hundred. That might be a bit too high. Oh, I guess the the uh, the point I'm trying to make is when you. Uh, make the choice to uh, yeah. follow something with courage, it doesn't always go perfectly and that's okay. You've got to work out when to cut your losses too though, because, oh, yes. you know, yes. there's, um, and I'm not, uh, I'm not really disagreeing with you other than, you know, I think sometimes for women, they put themselves in situations that are too hard to succeed and they keep banging their heads right. against the ceiling professionally or, they, um, or they're not getting the support that they need. While I worked at the Reserve Bank uh, in my early days as an economist and all of the layers of senior management were male and there were a few women there who wanted to at least get up into the ranks of very young early management, sort of first tier. Yes. And we pretty much worked out that we could spend, it's changed now by the way, but we, you know, we might spend 15 years there and we were better just to get out and go to an organisation or a company or a business that was Respect going to... Respect your ability yeah, and capability yeah. and what you could do. Exactly. Yeah, I, I hear you. Mm. Yep. Choose your battles. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But then once, once you've uh, chosen your battle, yeah, hard. Yeah, and look, the 99 for sure, for, for sure, and you get better at it as well in terms of, yes, you're going to get some 
blows along the way. And you only need a few wins to get a flavour of what a win feels like and what you're good at winning at too. So that's, that's the bit where you kind of work out. I don't have to do everything perfectly, which again is something for, for women. It's sort of like, we've got to get all the bits right traditionally, whereas actually you don't. It's really important to work out what mm. you can do well and, mm. and make the most of that. Mm. And I think part of that uh, courage piece is going, I don't have all the answers, but I've got this amount of answers I'm going to back myself to figure the rest out as I, as I yep. go along. So if you were to go, I've got uh, a couple of minutes to tell a room full of uh, businesswomen um, how they could be more successful, show more, show more courage. What would be top of mind for you and the things you'd like to, like to share with them? <laughs> won't, it won't take two minutes. <laughs> right. I wouldn't go to that meeting. Wouldn't you? Why no, not? because, you know, people say this, oh, just give us five minutes. And it feels like an undersell. We weren't looking for a masterclass, though. I'm really oh, just I'm, okay. I'm interested. Oh. What would be some key themes? How about how totally, about totally. So I think one of the key themes, and this is something that I've struggled with myself, is to go to my own core values. You know, I'm a very analytical head person. To go to my own core values, my heart, and I don't mean that in an emotional way. I mean, what's most important? And to get clear on that, because that really helps you get clear on everything else and how you might engage, whether it's in your professional life or, or relationships or your personal goals and things like that. And so that would be one thing I'd say. The other thing is, and we've touched on this already, do pick your moments or your situations because you can't do everything. You can't do everything perfectly really important to get very clear on what you do want to do and prepare yourself for it like the the and be willing actually be willing to stand up or step up like it only needs to be once in one meeting with one really good message so there you go i think that's under yep. two minutes or that, that was under two minutes and yeah. great great messaging as well yeah the really uh, really useful insight if you could have one superpower what would your superpower be <laughs> only one. Oh, full night's sleep <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you sort of say it's semi uh, tongue in cheek, but uh, we know the importance of energy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think a full night's sleep is about uh, being able to turn up with energy, energy the next day. Yeah. And you have had to become very conscious of how you manage your energy mm. um, post your um, mm. Mm. Uh, surgery, etc. So give us some insights. How do you look to manage your your energy? Obviously, try to get good sleep. But what else do you do? I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to the superpower because. Actually, I think the, the biggest superpower that any of us can have is, is actually to work out some of our own, you know, the things that make us who we are and really enjoy and make the most of those. Not just in a serious way, but in a, a light way as well. So, you know, I can be quite a serious person. So I think my superpower would be, how do I blend that? And to do it, it takes me a long time to get to a point where I get clarity around that. So my superpower would be able to do things faster. <laughs> um, managing my energy, you know, for all of us, we waste a whole lot of energy on so many things that we think are important, including all the stuff in our heads. One of the things I've always done, 
always in my career and now in my personal life is what is the one thing that I really, really want to achieve today? And everything else, yeah, sure. If it happens, that's a bonus. But what's one thing that I'd really... And you know, energy is about not scattering yourself, staying focused on whether it's cooking a beautiful meal, finishing off a report that you're avoiding writing, fronting a conversation that you feel really uncomfortable about. So um, managing my energy becomes, for me, it's about, okay, what are the three themes in my life? You know, one, one's about looking after myself and my own well-being. Another one's about my relationship and family. And the third one is absolutely about what is the thing that I'm going to do this week that contributes to my purpose and mission in yes. life. Mm. So what is, your, what is your purpose and mission? Well, um, always a work in progress. Always. For myself, and uh, but specifically, I have established and trademarked something called Stand Up For Yourself, which is about, it's how to, how, well, I've come to it in the last uh, three years, but it is about courage and the, the learning and practices around having everyday courage. So I started doing quite a lot of writing after I had my surgery and I've now done doing a bit of public speaking, developing some content and the goal is to be able to establish uh, an online presence that supports particularly women to have courage in their everyday lives. Stand up for yourself. Absolutely brilliant and I think the expectation we place on people but certainly females is just uh, crazy uh, this expectation that they need to be um, the perfect mother the perfect wife the perfect uh, business person uh, career that all of it has to be perfect and you somehow have to um, be able to deliver two out of three it. ain't bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> one out of three would be pretty awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I uh, am well aligned with you around that expectation that yeah and, and that expectation comes in all sorts of ways right it comes from media it comes from expectations we put on ourselves, mm. or you know, uh, women put on themselves uh, unre unrealistically. But there's a lot of influences around that put put those kind of expectations on. So, uh, your purpose of helping people navigate that, mm. uh, I think, is such a great purpose. Mm. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Give us an example of when you've had your back to the wall. Uh, back to the wall. Uh, oh. Really challenging environment that you had to had to overcome. So I, I won't talk about the company specifically, mm -hmm. but I was um, appointed as a director of a company that, uh, that I was very interested in. And I came to realize that uh, I was not only not comfortable, not able to do the job well for my own reasons, but also that the, the company itself and what they were doing and how they were going about it was not aligned with my own, not only my own beliefs and values, because people use that all the time, but not aligned with what I considered to be necessary for them to do in order to get to where they wanted to. So there was a bit of a mismatch. Now, having, it's all very easy, it, you know, it's easy to kind of throw your hands up in the air and walk off in a huff or whatever the equivalent or damp yourself down and say, oh, I'll stick this out because I need the money or something. I had to 
really say to them, unless you do this, this and this. Now I knew I was probably going to lose that role. And then when they weren't willing to follow through on those things to go, okay, then I'm going to step down. Now that doesn't sound like back to the wall, but it felt very back to the wall at the time. Absolutely. And a tough thing to do at all sorts of levels to do with my own reputation, mm -hmm. uh, to do with the direction of that company, to do with their discomfort with me stepping out. Um, so how you do those back to the wall and remain gracious is quite tough at times, or professional if you yes. like. Mm. Yes, mm. and it, it centres back to that piece you talked about, about the heart mm. going, is, is this aligned with who I am and what I what I see is right and, and mm. uh, yes, values and beliefs, but the broader context you put around. Well, it's easy really for important. me to have a fight. You know, I'm, I'm, I know how to have a fight, right? And Indeed. then and it's the lioness, uh, the lioness is in the room. <laughs> but you can, so having a fight's one thing and then you can, you know, you can use all sorts of excuses. It's another thing to stay with something and, and work it through and not use other sort of emotional excuses, but to do it properly and to do it respectfully, is it's a really tough line it is. to run. And, and that's one of my personal goals is, how do, you, how do I navigate? I know how to, you know, bang somebody over the head sure. or, you know, yep. be... Have a rant and rave and, and run out of the room. For sure. Yeah, but yeah. yeah going, mm. going through it with professionalism mm. and, and mm. uh, that approach is, is definitely... Uh, more challenging, yeah, but a uh, great, great approach. I had a, a wonderful run on the Auckland Tourism Events Economic Development Board. My very first board meeting, I had to come in after they'd already the the board had already been created and was running for. A, I think they'd had about three board meetings. My very first board meeting, I had to express a view about something a decision that had already been half made and was going to be ratified at that meeting with a whole bunch of people, mainly men, that I had never met before. And here's my intro and I'm about to express something that may go down very badly and did go down very badly actually. You know, in that situation uh, I felt uncomfortable. They were really, really grumpy with me. And I found a way to work through that, which allowed them as well to work through it. Right. I think yeah. trying to trying to figure out how maybe not everyone's a winner in a situation, yeah. but how people can make the best out of the situation yeah. That's, yeah. that's coming yeah. about. So that was a tough moment for me. And yet, having found a way through it, those guys, and they were mainly guys, you know, there's a lot of respect that developed. And then, then I was able to actually be myself as well after those first two or three meetings. And, uh, and they would very gently tease me about my personality, right? They got me. I've been in director roles or roles where people don't want to know you or who you are or what you stand for. They just want you to turn up with a particular skill set, do the job and go. And I don't think that works, and it certainly doesn't work for me. And I think that's a leadership lesson mm. for life, isn't it? You know, know the person that, or the people that you're leading. Mm. Um, don't just know where they sit on the organisation chart. And that's how you get the best out of them as well. Sure mm. is, sure mm. is. Now, Frank, not a lot in life matters, mm. but what matters, matters a lot. Yes, it does. <laughs> what matters to you? 
Uh, what matters to me? Oh, my relationships with those people that I care about the most, actually. Um, so, yeah, my husband, my son, the immediate group of people. Uh, these days, it's very much about, sounds very cliche, but, you know, just appreciating the really simple good things in life. I'm not sure that it is cliche, I know it gets talked about a lot, but we uh, deal with a lot of people that are very driven, they're very big on, on success, mm. and actually they miss some of the the fun and the enjoyment in life because mm. they actually don't stop to appreciate what's been enjoyed or, or yeah. what's going on. It's always like, what's next on the to-do list? What's the next goal? What's the yeah. next target? What's the next? And we're big fans of goals and targets and how yeah, we achieve them. for sure. But actually uh, being present in the moment and, and, and enjoying that oh, conversation having you're having. Oh, having fun. Or yeah. Having yeah. fun, for goodness sake. Yeah. I mean, you know, a good laugh. Oh, best yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> like having having people in the office that ridicule you. Wet your pants you. laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I've got two girlfriends. One of our, our only goal, we do have a goal yes. when we get together, yes. is that we're going to laugh so hard right. we wet our pants. Right, some slight bladder leakage? No, no, oh, no serious, <laughs> full on, full wet noise. your pants. Right. No, How, no, you, not, no, not right? even, not no, even no, sort of, No, no, we're yeah, perfectly able to control ourselves. Right, okay, good. No, it's a, yeah. We're going to find something that makes us laugh so Brilliant. hard, we're going to full on wet our pants. Brilliant. It's fun. So you've achieved this already, or is it it's still aspiration? Okay, okay, good. It's like a weekly goal? No, Not no, weekly. no, okay, no, okay. no, no. This is, you know, yeah, in a case, really. but, you know, that is, that is our goal when we get together. Fantastic. Like, we'll have nice food together, we'll mm -hmm. catch up, we'll share stories, we'll do all of that. But actually the real goal is we're going to have a conversation that will make us laugh so hard and we'll look at each other and we'll go, has it happened yet? Has it happened yet? <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, absolutely. Not the it. goal you're expecting, is it right? Um, no, but I, but I, I think it's a, it's, it's a fantastic goal and I, I resonate because in, um, I think I can probably be a little too serious in, in life as well. Yeah. And uh, I've had times when actually a good a good laugh is certainly the best medicine mm. and uh, yeah, enjoyment in life is very, very important. Actually, those wonderful moments that you have with people, whether it's in business, where there's sort of moments of truth or recognition of the other person, the situation, the experience you're having, it doesn't have to be wetting your pants, but it's that sort of, you know, there's a connecting point that occurs. Connection was the word I was or, thinking. Or there's something in a business sense, you things come together, whatever it happens to be, or you have that conversation that's been difficult to have and and but you persist to find a way to have that. Whatever it happens to be, you know, they are they're the great moments, they right? Are. They are. Yeah. They're the they're the ones you want people talking about at a funeral. Yeah, yeah, totally. Not about what your PL looked like. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, how, <laughs> yeah. how you were as a as exactly, a person. Exactly, exactly. And that time we were at that restaurant and we mm. were wet our pants. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you feel like is left for you still to achieve? What's something you'd like to like to tick off in the future? Go-go mm -hmm. dancing. Go-go dancing? No, no I'm, okay. I'm joking. Um, Lola. <laughs> what would uh, success worth your stand up for yourself? What would oh, that look like? I would, I would very much like, I mean, I think this, this sort of theme of courage is, is a very prevalent one at the moment. And I guess I came to that in my own way over a long period of time, like a full lifetime of experience around that. 
And I'd like to be able to contribute to that. And for men and women, women in particular, because that's been my experience, to work with women and to inspire women to be able to find their own path and to be successful and to encourage and inspire them to do to do more or to do better whatever it is and to help them get some confidence and clarity around that um, my personal goal is actually just um, and you know I've had some real challenges going from being a very physical person to partly disabled is it's okay to be me and and so part of the stand up for yourself is, it is okay to be me and who I am. So that's work in progress for myself, but it's also what I you know, would like to be able to give and share with other women as well. And I've been privileged enough to see some of the things you're working on around Stand Up For Yourself, mm. and I think uh, so compelling and uh, such great insight because you bring personal experience to the table, you bring um, business experience to the table, and you bring life and relationship experience to mm. the table as well. So mm. it's such a, a great uh, holistic view of that standing up for yourself. And I never once got a sense that you were going, here's what success looks like and this is what you need to go and achieve. Mm. It's about giving people uh, tools and skills to help them achieve their version of success. Very much, very really much important. so. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Well, I uh, look forward to uh, seeing that evolve. Um, I know we'll, we'll share some more about the Stand Up For Yourself in the coming coming months. Great. And uh, we'll certainly add some, some links into the podcast show notes so if people want to um, start early registering for the Stand Up For Yourself program and or even just connecting with you, Great. Um, we'll provide a way in Thanks. the show notes to connect with you. It'll be, cool. be awesome. Thanks yep. for joining us today, Frank. It's Thank been a pleasure. You. Okay.